Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back. This is our daily devotional for Thursday, February 15th. 2024, and I'm delighted to be with you today, and I hope that this finds all of you doing very well, having enjoyed a wonderful Valentine's Day. Well, if you're around here, you know that we actually had church Valentine's Day night, Wednesday night, um, and so Amanda and I went out the night before on the uh, on the 13th, and y'all, maybe some of you saw it. I, I should have brought it with me today, but I left it at home on the coffee table. This woman, this wonderful woman, this dear, sweet wife of mine, took all of the daily devotionals that I did back on the book of James. You're talking about over 12 hours of me talking, right? Um, over 30 devotionals. She took these and she used AI to transcribe them, you know, go from sound to actual words. And then she compiled them together in a book that that she put together and it's a rough draft and we're working on it now and that sort of thing. But this wonderful, wonderful thing that she's done over, I think it's over 200 pages um, once we get it in the right format. And really, I'm just, I'm humbled and, and it's fascinating because I do these daily devotionals. I think this is 557 or something like that. But anyway, I do these and um, it, it's it's my honor to do them. But at the same time, you do the devotional, you upload it, and then it's like, okay, we're moving on to something else. Um, and so for her to do this, I'm just so humbled and so grateful. So thank you so much, dear. And some of you even said, hey, copy of that. Well, we've got to actually finish the formatting and all of that stuff. But um, anyway, really such a such an honor and such an honor to be with you all, really, to, to share this time with you. We're not in James. Haven't been in James for some time. In fact, we are in the book of Acts, chapter 22 to be precise. And picking up today um, is with Paul in Roman custody. Okay, remember, he's been dreading going to Jerusalem, goes to Jerusalem, meets conflict within the church, goes to the temple to purify himself, right? To, that's a, really, it's a sign of good faith does all of these things. The Jews that are there go absolutely nuts. They literally, they try to kill him right there in the temple. The whole city erupts, and he's in Jerusalem, right? Important part of the world. The city erupts over this. The Romans get called in. They run in, and they arrest Paul. They put him in chains. All of these things are happening. Um, they, they go to take him to the Roman barracks. They literally have to pick him up and carry him because people are trying to rip Paul to pieces, okay? Um, and as they're trying to get him in, Paul stops and he gives testimony. And at first it sounds like he's preaching this great sermon to them, but then it's this revelation, it's revealed that, hey, you're doing exactly what the Lord said that you were gonna do. And as we talked about yesterday, that sheds some light on what truth is and why we tell the truth. First off, we tell the truth to persuade, to convict, all of these different things, to give people the opportunity to respond. But also we tell the truth sometimes as an indictment so that people have no excuse. Now, it's the Lord's business which way that goes, you know. And if you're out there telling truth just for the purpose of indicting, well, then I would encourage you to examine yourself and why you tell the truth at all. But nevertheless, the Lord has his purposes. The Lord works his will. And anyway, that's what we saw yesterday. Today, we're picking up where we left off. I know we left things on a cliffhanger. What's going to happen with Paul? We're going to pick up in Acts chapter 22 in a moment. But first, kind of like we did the other day, 
We're going to read another passage because it has bearing. And, and the, the thrust of today's devotional, what I'm here to do today, y'all, is, is we're going to go through, we're going to see what happens. But I also hope that you'll be encouraged. There's lots of ways to say it, right? Even a, a blind pig can find an acorn. Even a, uh, a blind squirrel can find a nut, you know, that sort of thing. Every once in a while, even flawed systems get some things right. Um, yeah, that, that's a little bit of a cynical view, but instead, if you're like me and if, if you've been a student of what's going on in the world, if you've watched the news, if you've looked in the paper and you see the activities, especially of our federal government, it's very easy to be just discouraged and to say, what in the world is even going on there? Everything's falling apart. But I would challenge you to compare our government to Rome's government. There's some striking similarities. Um, we're not even going to get into the fact that not too long after what we're reading today, Rome would crumble. But all of that being said, even a blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while. Even a blind pig comes across an acorn every once in a while. And as we'll see today, even a system as flawed as the Roman government, I shouldn't say that the problem wasn't the system, it was the execution of it, but even a government as corrupt as Rome got some things right. But that's not to Rome's credit, it's to God's credit. Why do I say that? Because we're actually going to start reading in Romans chapter 13, not Acts chapter 22. So Romans chapter 13. Now, before we read, let's pray. Our God and our Father, we thank you so much for this time that you have given to us, and we pray that you would bless us in it. As we go to this subject today, that is sensitive, and for good reason, as it's so easy to lose faith in the institutions of the world around us and to be disappointed by the actions of a government. And Father, let us, let us not get too sidetracked. Let us instead see your hand at work that you're always in charge, that we can trust you, that you know what you're doing, and you've called us to obey and leave the consequences to you. We know that's what Paul has done with his example. We've seen it. But Father, let us follow that example and trust in you as well. Now, please, by your Holy Spirit, let us see the truth of your word, and we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. So Romans chapter 13 find here. Beginning in verse 1, it's fascinating. Pausing for just a second before I even read. It's fascinating. Rome's, Romans is, is, is just so chock full of teaching theology. What in essence Paul is doing is he's writing the church in Rome and he's presenting the gospel to them. He's teaching them, but he's also revealing what he wants to carry with him to Jerusalem, all of that stuff, different section of Paul's life. But in this section, we see some very valuable teaching. And what do we see? <laughs> Excuse me, Romans 13, verse 1. It says, Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which, except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. Now, pause for a second. Let's stay on, on target today. Y'all, every bit of the Presbyterian in me, every bit of the American in me wants to turn into Samuel Rutherford. Uh, you know, during the time of the American Revolution, yeah, Thomas Paine, John Locke, you had all these writings out there, common sense and so forth. 
Um, certainly pamphlets put together. But realize that those things were not nearly as widely known as people say they were. But what people did know in the colonies was of a man named Samuel Rutherford. He was a Presbyterian minister, and he wrote a book called Lex Rex. Lex, coming from the Latin for law, Rex coming from the Latin for king. And the whole thrust of his argument is that the law of God comes before the declarations of the king. And furthermore, disobedience to tyranny is obedience to God. Okay. Now, what does that have to do with this? I thought this says you have to obey. This is nuanced. Okay. This is a generality that is being revealed in God's word. That being said, after giving this reality that governing authorities don't exist apart from God, that he's sovereign over everything, even that, we read this. Verse 3, it says, For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is right, and he will commend you. For he is God's servant to do you good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword for nothing. He is God's servant, an agent of wrath, to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also because of conscience. Now, again, there is nuance to this. This does not give governments a blank check to oppress their people. In fact, the argument that really should be made in light of this is that when governments function as they should, they ought to be celebrated. They certainly should be obeyed with the understanding that God is the one that has instituted those governing authorities. This is not a blank check for government abuse or anything like that. So why do I read this? Well, y'all, I've chosen to begin with this passage today because of where we find ourselves in the book of Acts. Again, remember what we covered yesterday, uproar, right? Yesterday and the day before, there's just uproar over Paul. The the Romans end up intervening in this situation because Jerusalem is about to go into a riot over everything. The Romans step in, they arrest Paul, they put him in chains. Paul does this interesting thing where he says, I'm a citizen of no ordinary city. The Roman commander's like, wait a second, aren't you this Egyptian guy that led all these terrorists to try to do this uprising? And and Paul's like, no, no, not me. And then we cut scene to Paul talking to the crowd. They get him inside. And where we pick up today is now that the Romans have separated Paul from the mob, what do they do with him? Well, here we see the blind squirrel that finds the nut. We find the blind acorn that, or blind acorn, the blind pig that runs across the acorn. We see government officials given authority by God actually using it wisely, albeit with not the right motives, but we see the Lord working through government. What do I mean by this? Acts chapter 22, now verse 23, it says, As they were shouting and throwing off their cloaks and flinging dust into the air, the commander ordered Paul to be taken into the barracks. He directed that he be flogged and questioned, and questioned in order to find out or in order to find out why the people were shouting at him like this. As they stretched out and stretched him out to flog him, Paul said to the centurion standing there, Is it legal to flog a Roman citizen who has even been found guilty or who hasn't even been found guilty? 
pause, time out for just a second here. You get the scenario. Um, after Paul addresses the crowd, I probably should have started here. After Paul addresses the crowd outside of the barracks, they say, of him, he's not fit to live. And so then the Roman commander has him brought in and he says, all right, we're going to get to the bottom of this. We're going to see why Jerusalem is about to tear itself apart over this guy, especially if he's not the Egyptian that I thought he was. I know what we'll do. We'll loosen his lips a little bit. No more of this coy junk about, oh yes, I'm a citizen of no ordinary city. I'm going to get to the bottom of this right now. That's why he ordered that he be stretched out and flogged. And y'all, flogging is a horror. Flogging is so terrible that so many men died as a result of flogging that they had certain regulations for it, but it was not uncommon for all the skin to be removed from, from the human's back that was flogged. They used a whip, right? And it had little pieces of metal fashioned into it, little pieces of glass, little rocks. It, it's terrible. It's one of the worst tortures that could ever be done to a human being. It's so bad, in fact, that it was illegal to flog a Roman citizen. And Paul knew this. Paul also knew that he had been pretty much declared guilty without ever even receiving a trial. So even though he was coy before this with the Roman commander, the one that said, well, look back at chapter 21, uh, verse 37. As the soldiers were about to take Paul into the barracks, he asked the commander, may I say something to you? Do you speak Greek? He replied. Aren't you the Egyptian who started a revolt and led 4,000 terrorists out in the desert some time ago? Paul answered, I am a Jew from Tarsus in Cilicia, a citizen of no ordinary city. Please let me speak to the people. You see how coy that is there, right? It's Paul not being completely forthcoming. The commander's got to be troubled at this point. Then Paul speaks, all that happens. But the commander's sick of messing around here very clearly. He wants Paul flogged. He wants to, the get, to, he wants to get to the bottom of this uproar. But as we've already said, it was illegal to flog a Roman citizen, especially that hasn't even been tried yet. And so Paul takes off his cloak altogether and says, eh, you might want to rethink doing this. Now, how does it happen or what happens then? Verse 26, when the centurion heard this, he went to the commander and reported it. What are you going to do? He asked. This man is a Roman citizen. The commander went to Paul and asked, tell me, are you a Roman citizen? Yes, I am, he answered. Verse 28, then the commander said, I had to pay a big price for my citizenship, but I was born a citizen, Paul replied. Those who were about to question him withdrew immediately. The commander himself was alarmed when he realized that he had put Paul, a Roman citizen, in chains. Y'all, what's really going on here? Well, there's a surface level understanding of this, and then there's a deeper understanding, both of which should encourage us. And this, this is a devotional. It's not a sermon. It's not a treatise. It's not a paper. But what can we glean from this? Well, again, going back to John chapter 15, where we started a few days ago, what you have seen on display is an example of what Jesus promised. When you're arrested, when you're persecuted for my name's sake, don't worry about what you're going to say. Don't worry about it, because the helper's coming. 
John chapter 15, after talking to the disciples, saying, I'm the vine, you're the branches, after saying to them, hey, listen, no servant should think greater of himself than his master. If they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you as well. But don't worry, I'm sending the counselor. I'm sending the helper, the one that will come to you, will show you what to say, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm taking lots of different passages and combining them all into one to talk about this promise of the Holy Spirit. Well, what we've seen is the Holy Spirit working. That Paul, when the time was just right, uh, Paul spoke up and said, hey, should you be doing this to a Roman citizen? Now you might say, well, why didn't Paul say this to begin with? What's this business about the coins? I don't know and you don't know. It could very well be that even though he's a Roman citizen, he's still a Jew, and they would have hated him for that alone. You know, for all we know, Paul could have said earlier while they were literally carrying him to the barracks because the Jews were trying to rip him to pieces, if he had said, I'm a Roman citizen, for all we know, they might have said, well then, you're free to go, and turned him loose to the crowd that wanted to tear him to pieces. Maybe that's why Paul withheld this information. Maybe it's because Paul knew they were so angry that if he was turned loose, he would have no chance. Maybe Paul didn't want to go immediately to the Sanhedrin. Maybe he wanted the Romans to get involved at this point because he was a citizen. You and I don't know, but what we do know is that the Holy Spirit was with him and it wasn't just Paul that was doing this. This is an example. This is the Holy Spirit on display working. And we ought to be encouraged about that. Because, y'all, this principle applies. We're talking about the context of persecution, okay? And certainly, when Jesus promised the Holy Spirit, especially in the context of John 15, that was the context. But we have the Holy Spirit for so much more than just when things blow up. We have the Holy Spirit that we're called to rely on every single day in every single situation. And that same principle applies that when you trust in Christ, when you wait on the Lord, when you yield to the Holy Spirit and ask that the Lord would make you sensitive to the Spirit's calling, it's not just when the world blows up that the Spirit comes and shows you what you need to do and speaks through you. And no, I'm not talking about revealing more of God's word. I'm talking about the illumination of the Spirit. When the Holy Spirit turns the lights on for us to see, when the Holy Spirit intervenes, it's not just when terrible things happen. It's it's the promise of every day. It's the beauty of trusting in Christ and the benefit of belonging to him and being indwelled by the Spirit of Christ. Now, again, the context here is persecution. There's no doubt about that. But if you're not trusting in the Holy Spirit now, don't expect, if you are ever in a scenario like this, don't expect to just be rolling. We're called to trust in the Holy Spirit now. And in that, we receive the benefits of trusting in the Holy Spirit now. And if we get benefits from the Holy Spirit, then y'all think about the losses that you have without them. You ever had a benefit that you didn't even know about? you know, an upgrade, something that that was your right and you didn't even know. I remember the first time this happened, I was driving around Atlanta, right? And it was me and one other person and it was terrible traffic. And then it was like it came out of the blue. I looked up and I saw the HOV lane sign and it said for vehicles with two or more persons. 
And I've been driving, you know, fighting Atlanta traffic, trying to get in and out of those lanes for I don't even know how long. And I could have been in the fast lane. I could have been in the, the HOV lane the whole time. That was a benefit that was there to me because I qualified for it. I had it. I just didn't take advantage of it. And I felt, oh, man, that was dumb. I could have saved so much time. And that's so minor, y'all. What kind of life is it? it, it the, the words to, to what a friend we have in Jesus. Um, don't worry, I'm not going to sing it, but um, there's so many wonderful lines in that excellent, excellent hymn about, oh, what needless pain we bear, oh, what peace we often forfeit, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer, right? It's the same way with relying on the Holy Spirit. We have a calling to trust, and when we trust, the Lord never disappoints us. He never leaves us alone. We can see that on display in Paul, but we see something else too that ought to encourage us. And it's this, it's very, very simple. What you see here is the Roman government actually working for once like it should, that its citizens had certain protections and certain rights. And even though the Roman government was so corrupt, and y'all, it crumbled from the inside out. It was, you know, the barbarians were at the gate and all they had to do was knock, okay? And Rome fell because it was crumbling from the inside. Undoubtedly, there are so many parallels between ancient Rome and the modern day United States, even in art and culture and morality. And there, there's a fabulous, fabulous series. And it's actually, it's originally a video series, but it's How Then Shall We Live? And it was put together by theologian and apologist Francis Schaeffer. Wonderful thing. And, and it's it's kind of horrifying because I think he made it back in the late 70s, early 80s. And he was talking about then how we were crumbling as a nation. Fast forward 50 years. Whew, but nevertheless, even though the parallels are there, even though the Roman government was so corrupt and was falling apart, just like we saw from Romans chapter 13, you see that the government isn't there for no reason. And you actually see the government functioning as it should. Again, the, the blind pig that finds an acorn, finally. But y'all, it's not that. I, I admit, I'm doing a switcheroo on you here. I talked about the blind squirrel finding the nut and the blind pig, blah, 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 blah. And, and I was intentionally kind of pulling us that way to say, it's never a blind pig. It's never a blind squirrel. The Lord is always working, y'all. And I guess the encouragement, my main thrust here is this. If the Lord could work through the corrupt, just volatile, crumbling Roman government to do something right, how much more could he work through ours? Saying that to be an encouragement to you, because there is that, I think that application really is here, that the Lord doesn't set up governments for nothing. And we ought to be grateful. Doesn't mean that we should support everything the government does. I'm not saying any of that. Doesn't mean we should blindly fall into, you know, party politics or anything like that. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying here is that if the Lord can use Rome, think about what he can do with the United States. If the Lord can intervene in this situation, what can he do in our, our situation? I mean, y'all, and this is not about Rome, their quality. It's not about the United States and our quality of government. It's about the power of the God that we serve. You saw what happened with Paul. 
As soon as that commander said, Ooh, wait a second. Not only is he a citizen, he's a natural born citizen. I had to purchase my citizenship and I paid a high price for it. He is not the one and this is not the time. That's what the commander ended up concluding. Now, later on, we'll see major problems with the Roman government. But for here, right now, we see the Lord's intervention, not only with the Roman commander, we see the Lord's intervention with Paul himself. And he makes that same promise to intervene for you and me as well. And in fact, right now, Jesus is at God's right hand interceding for you and me. Let's pray. Our God and our Father, we thank you for this interesting, interesting little tidbit that's almost comical, where Paul, on the verge of being beaten, reminds them that he's a Roman citizen and we see everything come to a halt. Father, what a, <laughs> what a fascinating turn of events that you could use even the Roman government. We know that you can use us as well. So please, work in our hearts and in our minds. Let us be receptive to you. Let us have grateful hearts. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'd like to thank you all for being a part of this time. Lord willing, we'll be back Sunday morning at 9 o'clock to stream our first service. We are still having the two services. And then we'll be back again on Monday at 6 o'clock. Until then, get yourself in a Bible-believing church. Be there. But I hope that everybody has a wonderful weekend.